Please turn in your New Testaments to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And while you're turning there, this is, this is a passage that gives great comfort about death. We're going to be talking about death. We're going to be talking about what happens to us when we die and the future. It also is one of the most hopeful, motivating, just exciting passages in all the Bible that you could read. And I'd like for us to stand this morning just, just for fun. Let's stand as we read, and I'll read God's Word to us. This is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, meaning have died. That you may not grieve as others do and have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Be seated, please. And we're heading toward the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It all kind of builds to that last verse that we'll be singing together. Lord, haste the day when the faith will be sight, when, when the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll and the trump will resound. And so we're all kind of heading to our response today to this truth about what is real about human life, what is real about the afterlife, what is real about the victory of Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of sinners. You know, there are so many questions that people have surrounding death. I think as Americans particularly, we, we kind of, you know, don't want to deal with death. Have you ever noticed that sometimes young people are in their 20s before they ever attend a funeral. Why is that? Because sometimes their parents say, well, maybe, maybe they're too young to go to a funeral. Why would we say they're too young to go to a funeral? Because we have some issues with death. We have questions with death. And, and in this passage, uh, we might as well, in a sense, be at a funeral. Someone has died. Someone in this young church in Thessalonica. And there are, there are questions about what has happened. And there are, there are questions about the futures uh, of, of these people that have gone on. What happens when we die? What about those who've already died when Christ comes? And there's good cultural reasons that I'll discuss in a minute, so you'll understand why they're asking these questions. And so, in our text, Paul writes to encourage these folks about the reality of Christ's victory and what that means for us. 
The great New Testament scholar, William Hendrickson, kind of sets the, the scene for us to help us understand why they're having these issues. He said, the Greek and Roman world of Paul's days was a hopeless world. According to the Greeks and the Romans, there was no future for the, a, a person's body after death. They regarded the body as the prison house of the soul. As for the soul of man, I'm continuing to read this scholar, it reluctantly departs from the body with, with the person's dying breath. This is what they believed. Then the soul enters Hades, a very dismal realm of sunlessness and shades. Compared to its former life on sunny earth, sunless Hades, where the dead bemoan their existence, failed to inspire any comfort. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd, I would have a hard time finding comfort, and, and I would have a hard time hearing about the resurrection of Jesus, hearing about our resurrection and saying, I mean, is that real? I mean, what goes on when we die? And, and is it just our soul escaping uh, and, and kind of being this wispy thing, you know? I want to tell you, in the ancient world, the Christian message alone, alone supplied sturdy hope, real hope and encouragement. I want you to know this is still true today. I want you to think with me before we get into the scripture about what people in our culture think about death and what, what happens to people when they die. It's, it's not that much different. Maybe we wouldn't put it in such awful terms. But, you know, today, if someone believes in the afterlife at all, and there are scads of people who say, no, we died, that's it, finito, over. Have a nice day. If we believe in the afterlife at all in our culture today, so many believe that you become this kind of wispy thing. You know, that your body, the spirit is kind of trapped in your body, and your body dies, and your, your spirit becomes this kind of thin Kind of, you can maybe recognize the person, but it's this thin, not really you, but you somehow deal maybe like an angel, but not really an angel, but not you. I mean, I'm just not real motivated about this. This isn't supplying anything solid to me about what happens to me as a real person, body and spiritual and soul. The Christian message says that in Christ, when you die, you will be you. You will see God. You will be able to think and, and how wonderful this is. You will be able to worship. You, you see. The Christian message alone says that our bodies are a part of how human life was given and we will in the resurrection have real bodies your body made new you can touch our bodies there will be a new heaven and a new earth a real place with real purpose and real love a new eden that will be in a city you see where we will be together in christ and under the grace of god and and the son will be god himself but we will be us. 
Don't you get it? That's the problem with Eastern religion. You just reincarnated and you're finally just absorbed into, quote, the world's soul. You're lost. You lose your individuality. This is real hope. And they're wondering in Thessalonica, what, what happens to people? What happens to their bodies? To this day, the idea of our bodies is just disregarded by the culture. The fascinations with angels and spirituality and, and all this mystical stuff. But the gospel is for human beings. We are who God has made us to be and all of us is redeemed. And our future with Christ is to be us before God. So Paul says there's solid hope when it comes to death. And he, he says we can hope in two moments. We can hope in the moment of our death. Yes, hope in the moment of our death. And secondly, we can hope in the moment of Christ's second coming. We can hope in, in our death. We can hope in the, the moment of Christ's return. This first is, is that this death that everybody on earth has experienced and everybody in this room will experience, you can hope in the moment of your last breath here and your first breath on the other side in glory if you have put your trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross before a holy God. You know we're not able to change ourselves enough to be acceptable for a holy God. You know we, everything we have is kind of tainted because it comes from, from us and we're mixed, aren't we? we, we are, we're selfish and, and, and yet this is why God so loved us, that He sent His Son into the world. He took care of this. You know the gospel is good news, isn't it? It means it's something that's already accomplished. It's news like on the, like on the evening news. It's, this happened. This is, it is finished. It's our Hours. We can hope in the moment of our death because of what Jesus has done. Verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of men grieve because they have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died for us and rose again to give us new life, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen Asleep, And some of them had died and there were questions. What happens? I mean, look, it, it, there's, no, there's no mystery why we struggle with death. It's final. There's like somebody's here and then they die and they're not here, right? And we're dealing with this. And we kind of dread that moment when they depart. I mean, it, it is very real when somebody's not here anymore. I was 14 when I lost my dad. It was final. It was the one event in my life that you just couldn't, I, I couldn't predict it and I couldn't stop it and it changed everything and it was final. And I remember not knowing what to do with it. And I was so happy when I finally understood the gospel, put my trust in Christ, and I was taught from these scriptures. And then I began to understand. Now I was riding down the road one time and I was just, I was just listening to the radio and I was arrested by these words. This comes from a song. I went, I went home and found that song, wrote these words down, because it, it kind of shows us that Christ supersedes these issues of death, but how, how, why we struggle with them, how final they are. And here are the words. It comes from a song by For Him called Where There Is Faith. And here are the words. I was riding down the road and I heard this in a song. There's a lady dressed in black 
in a motorcade of Cadillacs, Daddy's not coming back. That's death, y'all. Paul says that death is real in our text. Paul says that grief is real in our text. Paul says that grief is good. The right kind of grief is good in our text. By the way, if you were here Wednesday night, John Cox said the same thing, that grief is good. And it's one of the ways God moves our hearts to be able to repair. It's through grief. Don't avoid grief. Go through grief with God. You know, I can't stand it when preachers preach whole sermons how nobody should grieve the loss of anybody. No, no, this is supposed to be happy. Shame on you for grieving. That's not what Paul says here. Paul says, we don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, about what happens to people when they fall asleep. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We want you to grieve. But we want you to grieve with hope. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I love what the Westminster Shorter Catechism and asks, what benefits do believers receive at their death? Here's the answer. The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. So we grieve. They're not here anymore. But we rejoice because of Christ. the, The hope swallows up finally the grief. And Paul goes on to show in our text that we not only can hope in the moment of death, If you got Christ, immediately into glory. But he says you can hope also, secondly, in the moment of the second coming of Jesus, of Jesus' return. And this is where it gets so thrilling. We pass into glory one day. Christ will break in on the living. All of a sudden... You know, time is linear. There will be 24 hours in this day, and a day will turn into a day, and and all of this time is linear. And the Scriptures teach us that all of this time, including this moment that just passed, that second right there, including this day, is all heading toward an event. It is when Christ will return. When Christ will return and He will draw His people to be with Himself in unbroken joy and love and fellowship. And He will judge both the living and the dead. And He will judge with righteousness. But here's the, here is the other thing that we can hope in. This is that part of our hope that for, since the early church, we've called, quote, the hope of the resurrection. You ever heard people talk about the hope of the resurrection? You read about this in Scripture. Look, the believers in the first century, they were really big on the cross, right? They were really big because God so loved us, He did it for us. We just get this grace based on what He's done simply by faith in Him. But they were much bigger on the resurrection of Jesus and much bigger on new life because of the resurrection, and much bigger on the final resurrection. They were going through suffering. They were going through persecution. They were going through things that we don't have to go through uh, in these United States at this particular moment. And the idea that Christ would come and right every wrong, 
that Christ would come and, and create a new world, that this gospel is the proclamation that a new world is coming, and one day He will return. And there will be a resurrection into a new Eden, but a city, a new Jerusalem. And, and this will be the culmination of what it means to be a human being and the beginning of an eternity as us with a body, just as Jesus' body was raised from the dead, and you could touch Him, in this new heaven and new earth. I mean, it's no wonder that the Thessalonians, with all this terrible teaching about how the body is the prison house of the soul and, you know, who cares about the body, they're just wondering. They were taught, you know, there are, there'll be people on earth when, at the moment when Jesus returns, and at that moment they will be taken up like they in their bodies. And they're like, what about the people who've already died? And there's all this stuff. Verse 14, for since we believe, Paul says, that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The dead in Christ will come with Jesus and his holy angels when he returns. And in a moment, there will be a resurrection. Look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left at the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have already fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, the cry of command and the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and those who are already dead, the dead in Christ, will rise first. In a world that has no solid hope about death and separates our body and trivializes who we are and so much of this religion doesn't even allow us to be us at all, the Christian message still to this day is that holistic message about who we are. It is the message, the only message, the only news of real and solid hope that deals with all of who we are, all of whom Christ died for. So we are to hope in the moment of his return. Don't you love this? The Lord will come down from heaven with a loud shout. The voice of Jesus He's coming back as a conqueror. And the clouds will be rolled back. And we will hear Him shout. And what will He shout? Most people believe that this shout is the shout to the dead, come forth. Remember Lazarus come forth and a dead man rose from the dead and came out of the tomb. And so Christ with this shout says, it is time for the, the, the re-bringing together, for the, the culmination, the consummation of all that we are and will be forever. Come forth. It's a beautiful thing. And then, right after that, the archangel, probably Michael, who is typically named as the archangel, the, the, the head of all the armies of the angels, will officially announce, the archangel will announce the coming of the Son of God. There's another shout. 
I'm talking about one day you're at work and you hear Jesus shout. And then you hear the archangel shout. And then the trumpet, the blast on the trumpet, the trumpet of battle, the trumpet that announces the majesty of God. I mean, even today, you know, like it, it's all the way down through history. And, you know, when a king comes, it's da, 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 on the trumpet, right? Of course, we do hell to the chief, but, you know, typically it's been trumpets. Do you know in the Old Testament when God kind of, quote, came down to meet with his people, it was an, announced by trumpets? In Exodus 19, the sound of the uh, trumpet we read was exceedingly loud. Everybody heard the trumpet, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. Jesus shouts. It's all coming to this beautiful conclusion and a bright new world of resurrection and newness. The archangel announces the Son of God. The trumpet that says God is here. The Son of God is here. The dead in Christ will rise. And will gain new bodies. Whether they are buried in the ground, whether they were lost at sea, whether they were burned, it doesn't matter. The reconstitution of these elements, the, the bringing together and the reformatting to be that person and that person's body better than ever. Without any possibility of decay, without any possibility of sickness, beautiful and, and strong and recognizable, and all these things we don't really understand. The dead in Christ will rise. And you know, this passage teaches us, as do several other passages, that this could happen any moment. It's one of the great things about the second coming is God didn't say, you know, in the year 5010, he would return. No, Jesus said like a thief in the night, by surprise almost, he will come. Now, if you know Jesus, that's a great thing. If you don't know Christ, it's not a good thing. Because you're going to have your sins on you and you're going to face a holy God and he's going to judge you. I'm sorry, I, can't, I, I just can't faithfully say it any different. But if you have what Christ has done and the judgment has all been paid on your behalf and you have nothing but grace left and the condemnation that we deserve from a holy God has been drained out on Jesus, there's nothing but relationship left. There's nothing but love and embrace when Christ returns. Suddenly... The Lord himself will descend from heaven and all will see him in this sudden shout. Uh, it, says that, it says that the dead in Christ will rise. You know, it's very sudden that Jesus comes back. But do you remember the ascension of Jesus in Luke, I mean in uh, Acts chapter 1? Remember that Jesus ascended and very slowly he ascended and the, and the clouds enveloped him and the clouds kind of stand for the glory of God and he disappeared and he was in the realm and he, of heaven itself. He was seated at the right hand of God. Well, and, and the angel said, men of Galilee, why are you looking in the sky? This Jesus will come back the same way that he, that he went up. And some people think, and it's, it's really cool to think about this, that, that there's a sudden shout, a sudden trumpet blast, and then a slower descent descent of the Son of God, like a leisurely, kingly descent. 
as, as leisurely as he went up. And the dead in Christ are rising to meet him. I mean, this, is, this is amazing. Can you imagine what a Hollywood studio would have to do to even begin to, to come up with a way of depicting this with special effects? Millions of people breaking out of graves, remade from ashes and earth, new, whole, risen, rising with joy and laughter in their wide eyes of amazement. I'm talking about the aged and the infirmed who finally just quit breathing because they were so covered up with exhaustion and disease, brand new, better than any self they've ever been, not just their spirits, a new body, a new us. We'll never lose it. And the great object that draws them skyward is the Lamb of God who is the Lion of Judah, the Son of God, the Victor, the Almighty, the Savior, the Bridegroom, the Lover who has come for His people. And we are us. And it says we will be with Him forever. We who remain will be caught up. The dead in Christ will rise first. If, if Jesus were to come today, we would have to wait while those, and this answered the questions of the Thessalonians about the body that they were real concerned about, we would have to wait for them to go first. I love 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 54 in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on the immortal body. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Because this is the last days, the last day. This is the coming of the Lord. This is the resurrection, the hope that we all hope for. And it is up into the glory. It is up into the love, up into the fellowship, and it is, it is irreversible. And we who are alive will see these things. Verse 17 we who are alive, we who are left, will be caught up together with them, the ones who've gone before, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You know, I love John, 1 John 3, 2. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. In the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound and we shall be changed. And the perishable shall put on the imperishable. For those that know Jesus, for those that have put their trust in what Christ has done in coming on mission to remove the sin that we have before God, 
For those, it will be love breaking through the clouds. It will be heaven coming for you. As the Negro spiritual says, a sweet chariot a coming to carry me home. I used to love, uh, for those of you who are maybe 50s or so, I used to love that Pat Terry group song, I Can't Wait to See Jesus. Those of you younger people need to Google that. Write that down. Because you can, you, I saw it last night, I Googled it. I want to make sure I got my words right. You can listen to it on YouTube. I didn't say you'd like the music, but you might like the words. And I'd like to uh, just give you one of the verses because I remember as a new Christian just learning of this teaching about how wonderful and holistic is the resurrection that I get to be me forever and God loves me and God's going to raise me. I can't wait to hear trumpets because I know what they mean when they sound. I can't wait to cast off my burdens and feel my feet leave the ground. Tell me how it's going to be. Read it from the Bible again. I can't wait to see Jesus because Jesus is coming again. You see, it's all hope. Hoping in the moment of our death. We either go to him first or he comes here. Can you imagine how incredible this will be? I'd like to to end today by making a comparison for you. I'd like to make a comparison between our lives as believers and summer camp. Uh, You've been, many of you have been to summer camp. At least if you haven't been to summer camp, you've heard stories of summer camp and some of them are horror stories. Uh, Summer camp was never promised to be all good all the time. No, people at camp say different things at different times. Uh, There's good things about this place, they say. They write home. Dear Mom, there's good things about this place and there's there's not so good things about this place. There's fun people and there's people that frankly irritate me or something like that. Dear Mom, there's so much to enjoy. Don't worry. I'm having a good time. Dot, dot, dot. But it's not the same as home. You know, even on the worst day in camp, and I went to camp and I hated it. I'm just telling you all this. I know people love camp. I know, I know, especially in Mississippi. I get it. The whole camp this, camp that thing. I just wasn't able to do it for some reason. And I hated it so bad, my, my daddy came and got me early. Even on my worst day at camp, I didn't worry too much. And, and I said, I can endure. I can endure for, for this is what I know. My father's coming to get me. He's coming for me. And he's going to take me home to be with him. And believers in Christ are, are somewhat like kids at summer camp. Y'all do understand, as as wonderful as this world is, and and as people are made in the image of God, yet it is a fallen world. I was talking to somebody in Sunday school, you don't believe it is a fallen world? If it's not a fallen world, then why is somebody trying to steal your identity right now while we're worshiping? You know, why are there terrorists? Why is is all this going on? And and, and it's just such a mixed thing, isn't it? It's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's fallen, it's it's ridiculous, uh, etc. But this world, y'all, is not our home. One of the reasons I think that we struggle with death is we are 
so grabbing hold to this world and we have not even thought about the next. And we're just going to hang on to this one. Well, I don't mean hang on to you like your last breath. And I'm not, that's not the hanging on I'm talking about. I'm talking about you mistaking this world as your final home. I'm talking about me and you making an assumption that we can have in this world what only heaven can give us. And we are disappointed because this world cannot deliver that peace, cannot deliver those relationships, cannot deliver. You understand? And it's just not going to happen. It's going to be wonderful and it's going to be hard, but this is not our home. One of the reasons we struggle with death is that we tenaciously hold on to this world. We're only here for a specific amount of time. Y'all know that, right? Psalm 139 says that... The the number of the days of my life were written in your book, O God, before one of them ever came to be. Y'all do understand that, right? And there are wonderful things, there are difficult things. Kind of like camp, you know, there there are people to enjoy, people who irritate us. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to endure, a lot to rejoice about, a lot to be sad about. And it can frankly be pretty tough, but this is the thing we know for sure. The day will come in our lives, the day, just like this morning came. When we will either breathe our last breath on this earth and immediately pass into glory, or the clouds will part, and the shout of the Lamb of God conquering the Lion of God, and the archangel and the trumpet will happen. And I'm going to tell you something. Either one of those, believe it or not, if you know Jesus, really is the best day of your life so far. C.S. Lewis reminded us in death for a believer, he said, now we really live. As the Puritans used to say to us that this life on earth, as meaningful as it is, I'm talking about with Jesus is only the preface and the whole story of eternity. Chapter one hadn't even begun yet. There will be that final day as well. It's going to be another real day. It's all linear. It's all going that direction. Just like today and and Christ will come in resurrection newness. And we will be with Him. And He will take us to be with Him. It's a wonderful thing to know. And you will have a new body. Look, if you're if you're one of our senior saints and you say, you should have seen me when I was 22 years old. I was buff. That's nothing compared to what God is going to give you in the resurrection and the beauty and the reality. And there will be no more death. And there will be no more sickness. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Because the old order of things will have passed. It's a wonderful thing to know, isn't it? And now you know. Now you know from God's Word. Paul finally tells us in verse 18, Therefore, now that you know, encourage one another with these words. Might it be that 
your friend, your spouse, your child, your cousin, whatever, is going through something hard, and if they know Christ, might it be that you can say, you know what? I'll pray for you, and God will meet your need right now. And you, you do understand that there is a final answer to this as well. And we're going there. And be encouraged. Hope in the moment of your death. Hope in the moment of Christ's return and live every single day for Jesus and with Jesus until that moment. I think I would be less than faithful if I didn't just simply ask the question, do you have Christ? The whole point of whether this is a good day, the best day in your life, or the absolute most horrific day in your life has to do with whether the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, is yours. Not whether it happened. The good news is news of it happened. But whether you, by faith, have said, I'm going to quit trying to impress God. I'm going to quit trying to be something for God so God will love me. I will recognize that I cannot change myself enough to be acceptable before a holy, holy, holy God. And I will see myself as a sinner. And that's what we are. And recognizing myself as a sinner, I will say to God, I can't believe you did this for me. And you know, when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is finished. He meant that all of our sins were atoned for. And when we put our trust, not in our own works, but in what Christ has accomplished for us, all of that payment becomes ours. We are declared righteous, not guilty in the sight of God. We gain. We give Him our sin. We don't get judgment. We get a relationship for the rest of our lives. And we get to live this thing together in what's called the church. It's beautiful. And then one day... At that last breath, we pass immediately into glory. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you just for the encouragement of this passage. If you've never put your trust in Christ, maybe you've never understood it before. Maybe you've been trying so hard to be good and you're exhausted from it. You just see it. You see God's gift for you and you want to put your trust in Christ. Just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I, I, I want to turn from everything I've called religion, everything I've called Christianity, and I want to put my trust, God, in, in what you, Jesus, have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you've forgiven me of all my sins forever. Thank you that even now you've come into my life because of this sacrifice. Thank you that even now you are my Father, O oh God, that you've given me your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would help me to learn and grow. You would help me to understand that you are with us in this life and we have one another as believers. But also that you've prepared a place for us. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you and, and yet we're, we're so frustrated in our lives because we're trying to squeeze out something from this life as, as wonderful as it is in so many ways as we are made in your very image. We're trying to squeeze out something that only heaven can provide. Lord, would you allow us, rather than squeezing out life to love and to give to life, would you allow us to bring something from heaven 
what Jesus has done and the love we've received and, and interject that into the world, into the lives of real people? Would you allow us to have a soft heart that says, I'm sorry when we go off on our own and try to make our own lives apart from your love? And Lord, would you lift up in our hearts the fact, the linear day fact that you're coming for us. And one day in the resurrection, we will have new bodies as well as our souls, which will have been made glorious and perfect in your sight. We can't wait. Help us to share this good news between now and then. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.